On your journey through life, you are the hero. There are times, however, when it is beneficial to have an advisor to guide you along your path. Welcome to the Smart Money Simplified Podcast with Brent Mikosh, Certified Financial Planner, Certified Investment Management Analyst, and Co-Founder of MP Advisors, LLC. In this podcast, Brent discusses some of the most important and interesting topics of the day as they relate to finance, the economy, and beyond. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Smart Money Simplified with Brent Mikosh. Brent, what's going on? Well, it is the end of the year. We've got, uh, for timestamp purposes, today is actually December 27th, so it'll probably be middle to end of January by the time our listeners are are able to, to hear this. But it's a great time of year to think about what some of your goals are for 2023, maybe what some of the things are that you want to do differently or change in 2023. And I'm really excited about today's guest. I have Becky Wolf on, and she's she helps burned out teams find a better path forward. She's got a lot of other things she's done in her past as well. But I think the burnout's a big one. I was reading an article, oh man, probably a couple of weeks or so ago. But you know, we all thought that uh, burnout was bad before COVID. Mm-hmm. And obviously COVID threw a wrench in, in a lot of people's lives for sure. But you almost would have thought that if there's positives that came out of it, we did get more flexibility in the workplace. Um, many of us were able to spend more time at home, although our work lives definitely intruded on our home lives for a while there. But what we found is, is burnout among employees and among people working with organizations has increased dramatically. By, by some measures, up to half of people out there in the workforce are suffering from mm. burnout. And what's the answer to that? I don't know. I think Betsy's going to have, or Becky rather, is going to have a few answers for us. But, but I think it's something that we really need to consider both from our own standpoint, because you, you can only go at 110% to, for a certain amount of time, you're, you're eventually you're going to wear yourself out. And I think organizations need to think about this as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a really important topic, and I'm excited to have Becky come on to talk about it today. But Becky, before we get into the, to the burnout thing, Give me, you've got a really diverse background, you're a physician's assistant, you've got, you've, mm-hmm. you've got a really holistic viewpoint in terms of health. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to turn it over to you and just introduce yourself to the listening audience here. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brent, for allowing me to come on the podcast and, and talk about uh, something that I think deserves a lot of attention at this point, um, given what we're seeing just as a global society. I started my career as a PA, so physician assistant, and uh, started in 2006, worked in the ER for two and a half years, but always knew I would go into cardiology. Had a rotation in college, absolutely loved it, and just knew I would find my way. Started practicing medicine and uh, in the cardiology space with eight different cardiologists, absolutely loved it. But there was a point that after two and a half years of practicing there, I'm like, you know, something feels like I can't practice medicine the way that I want to. And I noticed the frustration for me was that I couldn't help patients get off medications. The things that they would ask me, how do I get healthy? How do I lose weight? And how do I get off medications? So the three common questions I would get. And so the frustration for me was, well, how do I actually do that when insurance wasn't covering dietitian appointments or there wasn't really preventative care that was being talked about in my clinic? So that led me to finding a certification, a way to actually dive in and help them with their habits and help them get what they wanted. I ended up getting the certification with motivational interviewing and and added that into my practice and then started pulling patients aside and asking them if that's what they wanted, if they wanted to get some education and find some different ways to help them get healthy. So started doing group coaching after hours in that cardiology clinic 
And that's when I lit up. That was when I found a lot of um, passion and kind of recentered myself into something that I really just love doing, which was helping them in a different atmosphere, a different sphere of care, actually, which was actually practicing health and preventative maintenance for them. And six months in, I remember there was a patient that came into the office to see his primary cardiologist. And he said, Hey, I want to see Becky. So doctor comes out and gets me and he's like, Hey, you know, room four, Mr. Jones wants to see you. I'm like, okay, great. I'm an hour behind, haven't eaten lunch. I'm grumpy. And I have to go, you know, I'm going in to see this patient. And I'm like, I remember this guy, you know, I've had multiple interactions with him and I go in and I sit down and he said, I want you to know what you're doing matters. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I see patients every day. This is, you know, what I do for a living. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And he's like, you're the first person that heard me. You're the first person that actually heard me. And I want you to know that. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, I'm off all my medicines, but one. And he was in his forties. He's like, I'm off all my medicines, but one. And I want you to know I've lost 30 pounds, north of 30 pounds. And I just feel healthy. I have more energy than I've had in years. I didn't just want you to know that you heard me. And that set the tone of like, I want to do this full time. I want to help people in a different way. That's not in traditional medicine, because that is making more of an impact to me and to this person's life. And then I had other stories of patients at six months and a year come back to me and say the same thing. Uh, subsequently, I started a business on the side, even though it was a PA, I'm like, this just lights me up. I have so much energy to do this work. So started a business on the side and just found a passion for business alongside of practicing medicine and was able to help people again, get off medications, lose weight. And then my son, my second son was born and he had some health issues. So I really had to pull back and focus on my family, um, but eventually knew at some point I would come back to coaching because that was what really was energizing to me. Looking back now, I feel like I was experiencing burnout at that point because there was this frustration and this boredom piece that kind of was setting in in practicing medicine over and over and, and treating people with the same types of medications and same kind of heart problems, which I still loved. I still love the practice I was working in. I love the cardiologist I worked with, but it was just this feeling of I kind of lost hope to some degree of that I was actually making a difference or making an impact. Yeah. Um, as as these conversations that, that I've been fortunate enough to have with people often do, sometimes they take a left turn and, and you mm -hmm. just took me on a left turn that I want to explore a little bit more. Yeah. I have lost a lot of trust in the medical establishment in the last couple of mm -hmm. years, for sure. And listening to what you're saying, you know, here we've got a situation where we're spending more per capita. We spend an enormous mm -hmm. amount of healthcare in this country. Yep. We're getting worse and worse results. It's almost mm -hmm. like it's, it's, it's an inverse relationship. The more mm -hmm. money we spend, the more you know, drugs that you're throwing at the problem, the yeah. more medicine that we're practicing, the sicker our population is becoming. Yep. What do you think is going on? That's a big uh, question. It's kind of a loaded is, question too, but. That is a very loaded question. So I actually think it goes back to medical school and we've been, you know, on our podcast, we're talking to multiple different physicians and how they began practice. And, you know, I talked to my cardiologist still, I have a good relationship with them and I still talk to them about like, what is, what is happening here? And in education, so in the medical world, when we're going to school, I had, I think, three hours of dietetics during my uh, training. So when I got my master's degree for physician assistant studies, I had three hours of what actually felt like health and wellness um, to integrate into the practice. I knew nothing. And if you ask the physicians, it's the same thing. They knew nothing in regards to actually how to prevent um, disease from popping up. So we're not spending a lot of our, our dollars on education in that realm. It's all on the pharmaceuticals to treat chronic disease. And it is a frustration point. 
And I see right now what I'm seeing is that there is a frustration between patients and providers and the providers are just as frustrated as the patients are at this point because they feel like something has to give as well. So there is a combined issue right now. And you're not the first person to tell me that. I mean, my mom, I have parents that are ill and in the hospital system and we're experiencing frustrations and it's, it's disheartening for sure. And, and I feel for, for both sides of it, because we, we, we actually work with, with a number of physicians and they are a profession that is being asked to do more and more and more every year and mm-hmm. are watching in many cases, you know, the revenue or for sure their margins are shrinking. There's no question mm-hmm. about that. But, but I do think that there's something that, that there's something very wrong. Very rarely do I walk into a physician's office um, and there might be some, some tertiary questions about what are you doing in terms of diet exercise? What are you doing to try to keep your health, yourself healthy, healthy. And I've noticed at least maybe in the last year or so, there's been a bit more of that, Mm -hmm. but I do find it incredibly frustrating because if you look, I mean, our mortality now in this country is going down Mm -hmm. and that's, we're really the only westernized country that's doing that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just just curious what your thoughts were with (laughs) with that for sure. So anyway, so you're now into your own practice. And I did forget to mention Mm -hmm. that you are the co-host of the Leadership Pulse podcast as well, which I I listened to it a bit before our conversation. I encourage any of our listeners to download that as well. Mm-hmm. But so you, so you made this transition and uh, can take us from there. I didn't mean to take yeah. on that left turn, but I felt no. necessary to do it. No, absolutely. I appreciate the question. I found my passion with coaching at that point. So when I was working in cardiology and then, uh, you know, life stuff happens, family stuff happened. So then had to dive head first into dealing with, with those types of things. And then found myself in 2018, kind of feeling a little stuck. Like, I'm like, I'm not sure if I want to be back in medicine practicing. Cause I just didn't feel again, the energy that I had felt with coaching, but felt kind of guilty, honestly, because I'm like, I invested so much into my education, so much time I'd practice at that point for 10 years, 12 years, actually. So I wasn't, I didn't have quite the language as to, to why I felt really called into coaching. So I ended up doing personal development course of my own, getting, um, a mentor and a coach for a year long <laughs> intensive and, that's when I really grabbed onto, this is my personality to really love to see people advance, get better, see potential in them and help bring that out of them. So then after that, I found a company to start working with as a health coaching company. And then I developed my business on the side. So my, my uh, vision kind of grew from there. I'm like, if I can help uh, people in the health coaching sphere uh, really get healthy, then what if I picked my head up and I knew the skills and tools from executive coaching of really diving into people's personalities and understanding how they're wired. And then I'm like, what if I can do that in a team? Like, what if my vision just grew a little bit more and I'm helping people in different areas really get healthy? And then there's a ripple effect when that happens, when you're able to actually get to the leadership, kind of the the, the top of the leadership and then help maneuver things downward. So that's when I got certified as a physician or not a physician coach, but a, uh, an executive coach and started using some tools with teams to see the, the effects that had on the an organization versus, uh, just me coaching some patients, which was still good stuff. It's not like it wasn't, but I just thought there could be more. Yeah, sure. So, so what, what's one of the big, what are the, what do you see going on right now? So we talked mm-hmm. in the beginning here about about these burnout rates, you know, again, almost 50% Mm -hmm. of people out there in the workforce that feeling burnt out. What, where, is there a, there's probably not a single cause, but is there a, a, are there root causes Mm -hmm. that are, I guess, responsible for this increasing trend that you've seen? 
So I think we've been headed here for a little while based on generations. So if we look at the baby boomer generation, very devoted to work, and then their influence is really heavy on the Gen Xer generation, right? Mm -hmm. So the influence plays a huge part into how people just work and they do the work. So it can be defined and their identity is involved in work. But I think we've been kind of headed here and we haven't really caught up to the digital age of what's possible. Um, So millennial generations like, hey, you know, COVID hit big boom of, hey, we have seen that there's flexibility and that we can allow that. So why can't we stay that way? Mm -hmm. And why can't we be involved and invested in our families more? So we go back to baby boomer generation again. That's when a lot of um, women started to come into that generation and they were married at the time. Prior to that, there was a single woman that had more of the workforce, not the majority of it, still men, obviously, but we started to see this influx of women coming into it. And then same with Gen X, because they had this idea of, you know, the perfect life with uh, the more of the the, the stuff that kind of came into it. So we've been again, heading in this direction of working longer hours, being devoted to work. But then, um, over the, I would say the last 10 years, we started to see this trend of it's not positional power that leans for leadership now, it's more influence. And then COVID hit and it really accelerated the need for influence and not positional power. Just, just, just break that down for me. What do you mean mm-hmm. by positional power versus influence? So positional power, meaning management level into some different frontline um, positions. So if people aren't feeling motivated to be at work, if they're not feeling uh, like they're appreciated, valued, and heard by their boss, they're more likely to leave because they know that there's other opportunities out there. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm talking about influence. It's like, you really have to understand how people are wired in the workforce now uh, in order to them and help them where they're at. And people don't want to be separate at work anymore. They don't want to be at work and be somebody completely different from who they are at home. Mm-hmm. They want somebody to know they have two kids at home and one of them may have uh, a disability disability, or they want to know that they have two kids at home and one of them has food allergies or something, right? Um, or they they just want to have this intermeshing of who they are and, and not live two separate lives. Um, so I think that's been a lot of it. Do you think, and, and this is a, a question I'm not sure the answer of, do you think that, um, you know, if you look at these devices that we're all holding here, mm-hmm. um, along with all these other, I'm holding up my cell phone for people that are, that are listening. Um, in many cases, they're amazing because the technology mm-hmm. allows, at least in my case, you can work from almost anywhere, anytime, that type of thing. It is also an incredible curse because you can work mm-hmm. from almost anywhere at any time. Have, have you seen that as that as you've seen this mixing of your personal life and your work life? And I would say mm-hmm. for sure, 100% in the last two years, the work life has come a lot more into the home life. Mm-hmm. Um, has that increased a lot of the 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 issues that people have had and anxiety they might have, they might have around their their workplace. I think yes and no. I mm-hmm. think with certain personality types, it does make it easier to just work continuously because those are the the people that can be defined by work, but also that just love their work. They have to separate and set balance between the two. I have seen. And some clients, though, where they're just so willing to set boundaries. And I would say that those are probably not the normal patients that are not normal clients that I'm seeing. Um, most of them are like trying to figure out the the piece at home and how to integrate work at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that I've noticed is with uh, mental health really coming to the forefront and we're talking about it more. So, we're, you know, obviously people are more willing to engage with conversations about that. At, at home, there is a sense of uh, to burnout too, if things are happening at home, 
that are really stressful and people are really struggling and they're trying to figure out how to mesh both. So for example, I have a client that started working with me because he was burnt out and he's like, I just, I have no idea how to help the turnover problem at my office, but then my daughter's struggling. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I just don't know which way to go first and how to help. So knowing how he's wired, we plugged into work first because he was working 60, 70 hours a week and then devoting the rest of the time to his daughter. So we had to really fix some problems at work first because I knew he needed to step back, but knowing his identity is wrapped in work, I can't just pull him towards his daughter and pull him out of the workspace. So it's really been helpful for me knowing how people are wired and what drives them and then helping in that space first and then quickly pivoting when they're ready to work in the home space or work in the other space that may be causing some stress. Yeah, I've got some some people that I'm close with and, and some friends and things that will have issues with their job. Um, and particularly in the last couple of years, you've seen it. And, and my answer to them has always been certainly not being an expert in, in helping them deal with that. But the way I view it is if, if you're having a hard time at work, you've really got a couple options. You can keep the status quo going, which you're just going to get more of the same and it's probably not going to improve, perhaps get a little bit worse. You can have the same position at work, but you can change the lens of which you view it and the, and the way that you deal with it. You can quit your job. You can go somewhere else and try to find something different, or you can, or you can you know, leave all together, leave the workforce all together. And I think that people have done some combination of, of, mm-hmm. of those four. But what is, your, what is your take on that? Are most people just more comfortable with, with just kind of laying the status quo continuing? Or, or is it possible to have a very high demanding job and change the lens which you're viewing that job through and changing your own reaction to it. Yep. Two exercises I walk people through if they're really frustrated with their job, we kind of walk through what do you have control over? What's in your immediate control and how well are you doing that? Or how well do you feel like you're doing at that? What sometimes happens, like you kind of alluded to is the perspective can be, I'm like involved in so much stress from other people and I'm taking that all on, but then I'm not really focused on where I'm, where I'm at and what I'm doing. And it's, Mm -hmm. If you kind of put the lens back in focus and you get really, really good at what you have full control over again, it doesn't seem as stressful. So that's one exercise we walk through of, and then what happens in subsequently doing that is you start to build influence in those other areas. So your circle of influence actually grows. And then you actually become a leader worth following in those spaces because people see you doing your thing really, really well. And then you have the capacity to start having really good conversations with other people around you. So your focus, then, you know, your perspective is honed, you get really good. And then you start to kind of pick your head up of like, how can I help other people around me? Second thing I do is a values exercise. So to decide whether or not the job is the right position for them, position, or if it's the right company for them, we do a values exercise. So values of like, what are the the four top values and how are we filtering this through those value system for you? If it's not the right set of values that align with the organization, sometimes it is better for them to leave. Um, It honestly just depends and every person is a little bit different, but those are my first two go-to exercises with a new client and the experience in those situations. When you when you begin working with, and, and are you primarily working with individuals or teams at companies, or, or is it a combination of both? It's a combination generally. I love doing both, yeah. so um, it's generally a combination. So, are you looking at when you're first uh, interacting with somebody? You're looking at what's happening in their work life, or mm-hmm. are you looking at what is happening in their work life, their personal life, their physical health? Are you looking all that th- at the same time, or is it kind mm-hmm. of like you've got to just pick one thing to start with and then move from there? 
So we do an overall snapshot of what's the priority. So what's the the stress? So again, kind of two things I do in that situation. I get a snapshot of overall what's happening. And then I understand their personality because I can tell where they're going to veer and what is the most amount of stress that they'll be experiencing or where that's coming from. Mm -hmm. So if I'm working with a female executive and I know she's wired to be somebody who's more the empathetic type of person, I really have to figure out if there's stress at home, we have to try to figure out how to handle that. And then we can maneuver towards work if that's a secondary stress. So it just kind of depends on that situation. But for any leader, we're not just leaders at work, we're leaders at home too, we're leaders in our community or other other spaces that we're involved in. So we really have to get the entire snapshot to really help. Mm -hmm. Now from a, if you're running a small business or even a, a larger team at a big organization, as the decision maker, I guess, or as the leader in that organization, what are some of the things that you could be on the lookout for or just basic good principles for how to treat your team and your employees to, to, to help them through this or help, mm -hmm. help maybe change the tide of this massive burnout that people are experiencing? So first thing I tell leaders is where are you at with your foundation? I, you know, checking turnover rates right now is a big thing. Uh, if they can see a certain department, whether experiencing turnover, why is that happening? Is it a particular leader in that department? So there's different snapshots that I walk them through. That's one of them because that's a huge topic right now, uh, turnover. So anybody that I'm working with, we talk about that first and foremost, because I know that's a, a pain point. So we start there first. And then the second thing is we we start to talk about the, the leaders who you have that are humble, confident, and secure. Who are those people and how can we multiply them? So we want to make sure that those people are at the forefront. How can we help them get healthy and then really set the vision for the rest of the organization? I don't think people want to stay where we're at right now. It is not a good feeling to kind of feel stagnant and stuck. So you have to move them past it and you have to give them a vision for where they're headed. So that's the next thing that we establish of like, okay, how do we set a tone of where we need to go from here? And what, what do you think is the best way to do that? Or is it a case mm -hmm. by case situation? Case by case, I would say, but, um, and it depends on where I'm at in the organization too. It can be executive team, can be like the middle management leaders of creating unity with them. So a lot of times in those situations is we all need to get talking. So we need to make sure if there's trust that's been broken, that we reestablish that quickly. And we kind of come to some type of common ground. That way we all have the same language that we're, we're moving to, we're using to move the organization forward. But it's usually some type of team development that I'm doing. What do you do if a team member you don't or an executive at a company you don't have buy-in? Because not mm -hmm. not every not everyone is going to mm -hmm. maybe see the need to get on the same page. If they're doing their thing, they're used to doing it. They they don't mm -hmm. want to take the energy to have a little bit more introspection in terms of how perhaps they can make themselves or something else better. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen that. The hard thing there is we'll have conversations that if I feel like there's not buy-in, uh, there may be buy-in for the team there's a lot of conversations back and forth and I still try to engage them just where they're ready. So it may not be they're ready to do the team development, but maybe I can coach them or maybe I can do phone calls with them and, and start just having my face in front of them to start talking about, Hey, this is the vision that the team has. You're part of the team here. So what level of involvement is necessary for you to do you to have for right now? If it's a situation where, you know, they're on the fence of whether or not, um, they, they want to work on engaging the rest of the team or they want to work on developing the team forward, then we kind of have situations where we just talk with them. I talk with them. I don't engage with the rest of the team if they're not ready. 
because okay. it doesn't make sense for uh, me to work with an organization if I can't get full buy-in at some stage where I don't feel like I'm cut it there. Now, have you come across a situation where that person that's not buying into it uh, doesn't have a job now <laughs> because it became apparent to the company and the rest of the team that because sometimes you just, let's be mm -hmm. honest, you know, you, you can, you can lead people to a place, but it doesn't mean they're going to, that they're going to mm -hmm. move forward in, into a new space or not. Yeah. I haven't had that experience. A very good friend of mine who is a coach though, uh, has had tough conversations like that too, walking in saying, if this is the case, this person may not have a job. And those are hard conversations to have, but you have to, I think to some degree come in with that level of challenge, because if not, then there could be a lot of damage to the, the organization as a whole. Well, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think if you have a, a pretty particularly toxic person, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly for smaller, even larger organizations, because it, it does, it does tend to impact the overall mood of, of mm -hmm. everybody that's interacting with them. That's around them. Yes. So, another question for you. And this has been something that I've asked, uh, numerous business owners over the last couple of years. So we've got a big labor shortage problem in this country. Mm -hmm. There are, so the unemployment rates still very low, but we still got a million and a half, 2 million people less are in the workforce than they were before COVID. Mm -hmm. where are the workers <laughs> based, on, based on your experience working, working mm -hmm. with, uh, with, with companies and in, 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 mm -hmm. in corporate environments, where they all go, are they just home playing Xbox or what's happening? So I think that to some degree, the people who could retire or take time off, they have, mm -hmm. so they've taken either time off. They've had money in savings. They had, you know, some type of finances that have come into play where they have some time off. I've seen that. I've actually talked to some people that's been the situation or been the case. I have a friend that used to practice, I used to practice with an ER. She just completely quit. She's a physician. She's like, I can't do this anymore. Her husband, you know, makes enough money. She doesn't have to worry about it. There are people right. like that. They just have the ability that they don't have to work. I also think that people are very creative and they have tons of opportunities to pay the bills in different ways right now. Mm -hmm. So door dashing, I mean, there are so many different ways to make money that they're going to be scrappy and they're going to find it rather than be employed by somebody who really doesn't care about them. Now, in, in organizations that you're walking into and you're seeing, what, per, what percentage of them, obviously if they're engaging with you, it's because something's not going right. So there's mm -hmm. a problem that needs to be addressed. But are all of these problems fixable? Meaning that I, I guess if they've if they've made the leap to try to bring in an expert that can help them through this, mm -hmm. then there's hope because <laughs> you know, there's a recognition that there's a problem. But do you, do you find that is there any impossible cases? I guess that's the best way to put mm -hmm. it. So I think for that question, their solution kind of means end result. And I don't think that there can be an end result. I think that there has to be some malleability to it of having to maneuver and work through situations regardless. And I think that's what people are looking for. They're looking for a leader who's willing to do that, who's willing to say, we're going to go through hard times again in the future. And we just need to know that you're going to get us through that and be there. And, you know, we're going to need some flexibility. We're going to need to be able to maneuver how we need to maneuver. But in, I think a, if you find a good leader who's willing to do that, people are going to stay honestly. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that there's a solution. I think that there has to be just a lot of flexibility and fluidity on how problems are managed at this point. And you think also now that we've got, um, for, for the most part, people are back and at least if they're either in a hybrid type situation where they're remote a little bit and they're, and they're in their offices a little bit. But one of the things that, that had concerned me really into 2020 and the beginning of 2021 is you lose a certain amount of corporate culture or any organization loses culture if the people are not intermingling with each other on a regular basis has 
with the organizations that you're working with, does that seem like that's beginning to normalize now? There's still struggle, honestly. Yeah. Is there more of, of a struggle than like, is it, is it harder now getting everyone on the same page than it was before? I think the, the hard thing right now is they're still settling from COVID and there's still just this kind of settling phase and trying to establish a new normal. And some of them aren't even in, in the phase of where that's hybrid work because they can't be like some factories, there's no possibility of hybrid right. work. It's still in person. So they're still trying to figure out how to engage in person. So I think regardless of the atmosphere or how you're designing the workspace, there's still struggle with engagement across the board from what I've seen anyway. Okay. Now, have you noticed it, the mental health issues? Obviously now it's something people are a little bit more comfortable talking about. Is it, where are we versus say 2019? If we had this conversation mm -hmm. in 2019 and I said to you, Hey Becky, wh what is it looking like in terms of overall mental health of the workforce with, with organizations that you're working with? Mm -hmm. Where are we now in 2022, almost 2023? Yeah, I would say so 2019 to now. So I was just knowing I, you know, I practiced medicine for mm -hmm. 16 years, right? So knowing the amount of mental health that I treated and that people were on medications, it just wasn't talked about. Right. And now it is more readily because I think the the way people are looking at it too, the stigma has kind of gone down a little bit. So they're more willing to engage in conversations about depression, anxiety, about burnout and those types of things. Burnout has been a problem since the 1970s. That's, you know, first brought up in research in the 1970s. It's been around a long time, particularly in the healthcare world and then education. So it's been there a while. It just hasn't been discussed. And then same with those other mental problems. We just haven't been willing to talk about them. I just think that there's more of an uncovering since COVID of, hey, like I'm struggling and I'm willing to open up and talk about it now. Mm -hmm. But do you think it's a greater percentage of, of the workforce that might be dealing with some of this? I do. I do think it's probably a greater percentage. Um, yeah, I would say definitely in the healthcare sphere. Latest research I saw was like 67% of physicians have burnout, which is a huge number. 72% yeah. uh, nurses, maybe a little bit more than that at this point. But it's a huge number of people experiencing burnout and other mental health um, disorders. So what do you do, your person here? And it's now when they're listening to this, it's going to be early 2023. Mm -hmm. And you're just grounded to a pulp. You hate your job. You're burned out. You're worn out. Everything else. I, I like giving people some proactive steps that they can take to mm -hmm. at least get the ball rolling in the right direction. Yeah. What's the first thing someone can do that feels as if they've kind of hit, you know what, they, they can, can keep doing what they're doing for a couple more years, but life's not going to get any better. What's the first thing mm -hmm. they can do to start to address it? Yeah. First thing is to do like an audit, audit your home life, audit your, your, uh, your life at work and see which is causing the most stress for you. So what is the issue? What is the primary thing causing you a lot of stress? And then get into the minute details of what it is about those situations or about those atmospheres. So if it's work and there's a conversation that needs to be had with the boss, go have that conversation. Even if it involves conflict or involves something scary, you're actually going to feel better if you go have mm -hmm. that conversation. If it is something in the system of how you practice, of how your routines are, look at that system and then go after one thing to fix it. It is just one thing. Focus on one thing. It's usually what I tell people because if you can identify it and identify what will give you relief, then go after it. And same with home life. If it's something where you're 
having struggles with your spouse or something, you need to go to counseling or there's something in a relationship that's really causing you stress. Go after that one thing, but just try to narrow it down to one thing that you can find action and, and movement towards. And it's a great line that I heard once and it was said, so basically I'm paraphrasing, but it says, if you can't do it, you must, <laughs> you know? So yeah. if there's some, if there's something that's out there, that's an elephant in the room, you've, you've got to find a way for sure to address it. But so what are some of the things, because someone might hear that and say, mm -hmm. well, that's all great, but you know what? My job just stinks and I'm not mm -hmm. happy here at all. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the things, and I, I, I tend to believe, I think you can be in almost any situation and you can find, I think you can find something that's, that's really good or, or meaningful mm -hmm. or purposeful in any job. So I don't necessarily buy into that, but sometimes you get people that are so stuck mm -hmm. wherever they're at that they can't see the forest through the trees. And there's always the grass is greener, you know, syndrome, which, which, which often is not true, but what are some of the things that they can look at? Is there anything that rhymes with people who are saying they're very burned out with their job where something that they can look at and make an immediate change that might help them tomorrow or within the next mm -hmm. week or two? What I'll do with them is I'll sit down and say, well, what is it about a different position that would give you more energy, hope, or clarity for what you want for your future? If you can tell me those things and you can find something in the way that gives you those things, then it's not wrong to even look at those or even consider it. Um, but look for opportunity. What is the opportunity that speaks loudest to you? If it's not at your job, let's try to look for an opportunity around us and see if there's something that fits who you are. And sometimes they'll find something, but then they'll kind of think back and they'll realize, well, maybe I wouldn't be as happy. So it's a perspective shift in some cases, and it's finding resources, finding people to talk to. That's another thing I'll tell people, just go talk to people, go talk to people like in that atmosphere where you want to be, ask them if they're happy, ask them what they would do differently. You know, just having conversations actually gives you a good insight into what's happening in other people's worlds too. So um, that's usually another thing that I'll, I'll bring into play for them. And I guess in terms of from a, from a leadership standpoint, if you're leading your team or you're the boss, wherever, wherever, wherever it is you're working, is it really just that rec I think people just need that recognition that, that they're seen as more than just the, the cog that fits into whatever wheel the company is engaged in. Yeah. Yeah. So if, good. <laughs> so just in, engaging in those, in those conversations, even that the, the quick questions, Oh, how was your weekend or what's, what's happening with you? Is everything okay? Is that, mm -hmm. is that um, a good place to start if you're in that leadership role? Yes. Having some type of meaningful conversation. So how was your weekend is great, but even go a little bit deeper. What did you do that was um, exciting for you this past weekend? Or right. if you know they have kids and you know that their kids are in sports, hey, did you have a, a sporting event with your kids? Like, what's your favorite part about that? It gets on a deeper level and it actually makes people feel seen. And that's what they want. They don't want to be a number. They want to do impactful work. So I tell leaders, like people want to do work for you. They want to do really impactful, meaningful work. They just want to know they fit in. They want to know how they're doing that work. Exactly. Exactly. So let me ask you this. So you are feeling a little bit worn out with, with work. What do you do? <laughs> what, what do you, what do you do to keep the burnout at bay? Oh, I love what I do. I absolutely love every bit of what I get to do. Things that I do to recharge are I read a ton. I love reading. And that's just separation for me in space. I journal and I run. Those are the three activities that I do that are like my grounding activities. All-time favorite book. What is it? Ooh, ooh, that's a good question. Hmm. So I read, I'm terrible with authors' names, but I read the book Switch. 
Okay. Which was really good. It's about um, change management. And I read that this year, earlier this year, and it still resonates with me. Okay. Um, but I would say that's a, a really good book because I've, I've loved habits and change for such a long time. And really knowing that if you get into stuff with people, they're more likely to change. And if you tell them what their potential is, they'll, they'll see it. And then, then they can change too, which is great. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how you mentioned, obviously you're a runner. Mm -hmm. And so, so how, uh, for, for your average person out there, how much should they be moving their body every single week? What's, what's a good mm -hmm. amount of exercise? I guess it's, it's very subjective because for someone that might not have done anything for two years, getting off the yeah. couch for a walk is a good thing to do for other people. They've got to sign up for the next marathon. Yeah. What, what's, um, for in your case anyway, what, how much running are you doing? So I run right now, I used to run like five or six times a week. Right now it's about four. So I'm about four times a week, anywhere between 30 to 30 minutes to an hour, honestly. Um, okay. <laughs> early in the morning, have to get up and, and get it over with. But uh, yeah, that's that's you're what in Ohio, I do. So it's probably like minus five degrees there right it's now, which makes ridiculous. it a little bit harder. <laughs> ridiculous. But uh, yeah, treadmill is my friend at this point. But um, but yeah. How about favorite movie that's a good pick me up? Favorite movie? Hmm. I'm not much of a movie buff. Okay. I would say I, if I watch movies, it's with my kids and their boys. So any of the Avenger movies are good action pack movies for us to watch, but. All right. Good deal. Mm -hmm. Well, Becky, some phenomenal advice here. How do people find you? And if they want to reach out to you and, and continue the conversation, how do they do that? Yeah, I'm really active on LinkedIn. So Becky Wolf, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, Becky Wolf consulting at gmail.com is the way to find me. I also have a website, beckywolf.com. And um, also get your podcast. So you're, yes. I'm guessing you're on Spotify and Apple and yes. all, all the major platforms, all the major platforms. Yes. Okay. Excellent. And who's the ideal person you want to work with? So anybody who is looking to help their team work through burnout and give them a vision for moving forward. So leaders in that space, anybody experiencing high turnover or just wanting to set um, some strategies for retention uh, that's meaningful for them. Okay, great. And last question. So you mentioned, I believe his name was Mr. Jones, who got off all of the yes. medications yes. and who told you that you actually listened to him. Mm -hmm. What did you do with this guy to get him off all, almost all of his meds and, and to make that level of an impact? Do you, do you so, recall specifically what you told him? I actually do. So it was in group coaching. I didn't coach him one-to-one, -one, which I thought was really interesting, but in group coaching, I did a couple of different things. So uh, gave them education on exercise, on diet, and then we started talking about habits. Each person was invited to talk about the habits that they had, how they wanted to increase or up-level their habits. Uh, and then we had weekly meetings. So it was a combination of education and accountability and consistency. And that was really, really helpful for him. And I've noticed that time and time again with working with clients. Those are the three things that lean on that I lean on to really help them move the needle. No, it's, it's all it's all good stuff because I think that um Again, I, I, I struggle as I started the, the, our discussion with, you know, if I get run over by a truck, I absolutely want to be in a Western hospital for sure, because they're going to put you back together better than any place on the planet. Mm -hmm. But I do think that we tend to, we tend to come in after there's a crisis mm -hmm. and we don't necessarily from a, from a holistic standpoint, from a health standpoint, deal with some of the issues that, that get you there. And it's usually a pretty long road to get you to that point where you need, you need to basically get put, put, put back together again, for lack yep. of a better term. So I think that the, yep. the work you're doing is hugely important. And hopefully that, uh, as we start 2023, when people will be listening to this, that, that our listeners got something out of this conversation. So thank you. Thank you for yes. joining me. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity.
Becky, this has been fantastic. Brent, your, your timing couldn't be better, quite honestly, because when this comes out, people have come off the holidays. A lot of times, you know, they get good rest, right? Relaxation during the holidays, they, they kind of reset a little bit. Well, now it's back to the grind. They're probably three weeks in to January or whatever when they're listening to this. Um, and I think this is powerful, right? Because we, we think that rest sometimes is going to carry us for like six months. <laughs> and it just doesn't do it, right? Well, I think I think the holidays too, Eric, what what is challenging is and it was a goal for me coming into December, is I I came into the beginning of 2022 and I had a heck of a time in 20 the end of 2021. I mean, it was a yeah. constant party for most of December 2021. And you you started the year behind the eight ball a little bit. You know, there's that extra five pounds that you had to lose and, and you had to get yourself back on track. And my, and my goal, at least this December's has been to start getting back on track in the middle of November and try to come into a, yeah. a better position in early January. So a lot of times that rest doesn't necessarily recharge us. We've kind of burned ourselves out even more. And then we're asked to start the year sort of behind the eight ball. Very true. So true. Well, I hope listening audience, I hope you reach out to Becky and uh, make a good connection there. Brent, th this is what you're doing. You're educating folks. You're bringing in great guests. If folks want to reach out to you specifically and just say, Hey, look, I'd like to know more about your network and why you're doing what you're doing. What's the best way to get a hold of you? I uh, like Becky, very active. Um, the only social media platform I'm really active on is LinkedIn and uh, post a lot of stuff on there. Uh, our, our website, uh, uh, smartmoneysimplified.com or mpadvisorsaz.com. Uh, YouTube channel, just uh, just search Smart Money Simplified and, and our YouTube channel will pop up and we're also on Spotify. Uh, not yet on Apple and a few of those other platforms, but we're on Spotify and YouTube now, which is great. Absolutely. All right. To both of you again, thank you so much. And of course, our last thank you goes to listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Smart Money Simplified podcast with Brent Mikosh. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Brent comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. We humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review. As this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at MP Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Money Simplified Podcast. Have any questions about topics covered during the show? Visit www.smartmoneysimplified.com or give us a call at 602-255-0555. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your individual situation. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors Incorporated, MP Advisors, LLC, is not a broker slash dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services.